Welcome to this MPS MedicineWise podcast, focusing on the management of codeine dependency. My name is Jill Thistlethwaite, and I'm a GP and medical advisor at MPS MedicineWise. I recently spoke with Dr. Malcolm Dobbin, who is a public health physician with an interest in the misuse of medicines, including over-the-counter codeine. This podcast features highlights from our conversation about patient management. You can visit mps.org.au to listen to the first part of this conversation, where we focus on the diagnosis of codeine dependency. Once a GP has diagnosed a patient with a codeine misuse disorder, or perhaps they ask for help with their codeine use, how may a GP help? Well, if the presenting complaint is pain, you need to reassure the patient that you wish to uh, help them with their pain. But um, I think the most important thing is not to prescribe uh, what these medicines that were formerly over-the-counter because there's no conclusive evidence that adding low-dose codeine to ibuprofen or paracetamol adds any analgesic benefit. And, and in fact, I think you could prefer the combination paracetamol-ibuprofen products that are now widely available and available over-the-counter. Uh, they've proven to be more effective anyway. And you, you can also, you need to identify whether the, if it's a headache, they're taking these every day or most days of the week, the patient may be suffering from medication overuse headache. And there's a very good Australian prescriber article about that condition as well. But the most important thing is to manage their dependence. I think you need to discuss with the patient do some motivational interviewing and saying, you know, what would you like to do? I think, you know, if you've tried to stop and you've got these symptoms, uh, South scale suggests we need to deal with that because we can either offer you withdrawal and try to maintain you in abstinence from these medicines, or we can put you on to maintenance treatment until we can get things sorted out and for your opioid dependence. And uh, if you're going to go the withdrawal route, you have to understand that that's usually the first step in a more prolonged uh, rehabilitation because there's an extremely high risk of relapse. But you can either either choose a medication to treat the symptoms of opioid withdrawal, you know, um, antispasmodics, antiemetics, benzodiazepines for the restlessness and NSAIDs for the pain. Uh, or you can use uh, buprenorphine buprenorphine naloxone film, which provides the most comfortable uh, withdrawal uh, experience. And uh, sometimes patients say, well, look, I just feel great. I've never felt so good since I tried to get off these drugs. Um, can I stay on them? So that happens occasionally that they want to stay on maintenance um, with the buprenorphine naloxone film. But you can manage their symptoms of withdrawal easily. But remember that it's a the first step in a, a longer-term rehabilitation. So GPs who don't have a special interest um, in this area, how would they manage their patients, particularly in relation to the regulations around prescribing codeine if you uh, suspect that someone is dependent? Well, if you do suspect the patient's uh, dependent, you're treating dependence, whether it's a... Uh, analgesic or one of the pharmacotherapy agents, methadone or buprenorphine naloxone, you will need to get, get a um, permit from the state health departments. And uh, the, the, the point though for the buprenorphine naloxone in Victoria and South Australia, you don't need to attend a, a training session or face-to-face -face training. You can go online and teach yourself with the resources that they've got online to how to use that 
product and uh, you could treat up to five patients. Even if you're using them for withdrawal, you will still need to get a permit, but you can treat up to five patients in your own practice without needing to go for face-to-face training. Because remember, these are everyday people, most often not people who've set out to become people who misuse medicines. They're going to have first step trouble actually recognizing that they've got a problem, accepting that they've got a problem, and secondly, being treated for it too, because it's usually part of a supervised dosing program where they need to go to the pharmacy every day, and that's quite challenging for people. It can be that you can get an opinion in Victoria, at least, get an opinion from an addiction medicine physician that the patient can have a takeaway doses each week so that they don't have to turn up every day, but I think they need to be stabilized in the first week or so, or first couple of weeks to make sure everything is safe and that there's not going to be any diversion because most of them won't be connected to drug markets and uh, want to uh, seek or trade their medicines. You're talking about obviously the situation in Victoria and South Australia, but that's not the case in other parts of Australia. A patient who uh, a GP suspects is dependent or they've actually had that conversation and the patient is in that in the space where they want to do something about this, the regulation that you need to apply for authority to prescribe for a patient who you believe is dependent can take up to a week. What would be the best way to manage that patient during that time? Well, you need to manage their pain uh, with, you know, just uh, non-drug treatments and uh, simple analgesics. Um, you can treat their symptoms of withdrawal with, you know, the medicines I've described, the antispasmodics, antiemetics, benzodiazepine or, and some NSAIDs or paracetamol. If you're not intending to treat them yourself, um, you either refer them to somebody who is authorised to prescribe pharmacotherapy for opioid dependence. In Victoria, there's a, there's a telephone counselling and referral service called Direct Line, and there are similar services in other states. You can call them yourself or you can refer the patient and make the, they will make the arrangement for them to see a pharmacotherapy prescriber or they can refer them to an alcohol and drug clinic. In our resources that we have available, we are giving the phone numbers that GPs can use to get advice around this. Um, I suppose it's a, it's a, what we don't really know at this point is how many people are likely to need help and how the waiting lists may go in this time. So I presume it'd be easier to get some advice over the phone, but for a patient to actually be seen by a specialist, there may be some delay. I think it's difficult to manage that situation because, you know, you're not really legally able to prescribe an opioid just merely to treat dependence. So you need to get a permit urgently from the authority, the Department of Health. Uh, Yeah. So I think you might need to just go the route of treating the withdrawal symptoms. The worst thing you could do is continue the prescribing the formerly over-the-counter products because the, yeah, the patient may be just on the brink of perforating and also I do spend some of my time looking through coroner's records and there was a case of a young man who um, was offered uh, pharmacotherapy for opioid dependence but just said, no, I'll just start reducing my dose and he perforated an ulcer and uh, died. So you, you don't want to put somebody into that situation. And the point is, too, that these drugs are not really effective analgesics anyway. So obviously you don't want to move someone from an over-the-counter product to the products that we can prescribe at the moment, which are higher dose. 
that wouldn't be a solution either. It sounds like you probably don't want to prescribe codeine at all, but it's about managing the underlying reason why the person is on codeine in the first place and, if necessary, managing the withdrawal symptoms. I think um, one of the most risky things a doctor could do would be to prescribe a paracetamol codeine prescription opioid because if the patient's dependent on 40 to 60 tablets of over-the-counter codeine ibuprofen, they will, not deliberately, but they will titrate themselves, their dose with a, with a, a drug like panadine fort, just to their level of comfort because they feel un- discomfort and withdrawal symptoms, uh, and in which case they would get a, a hepatotoxic dose of paracetamol. So I certainly avoid prescribing um, combination um, paracetamol codeine. Thank you. Is there anything else that you think GPs should know? Yes, I think uh, people should avoid substituting the over-the-counter codeine drug with a prescription opioid, just simply doing that without taking a you know, multimodal approach to treatment. In fact, the, most patients who've been treating with, if they have been treating with um, over-the-counter codeine just in, as recommended, they might be better just uh, treating um, the symptoms with um you know, other non-drug treatments like heat pads, exercise, um, simple analgesics. Some people have a cognitive behavioral problem, which is response to cognitive behavioral therapy. Maybe they need treatment with a psychologist. Um, they may, even, if it's got a musculoskeletal problem, they might need some physiotherapy. But certainly, I'd, I'd avoid um, precipitating a lifelong dependence on prescription opioids. So the other thing is, I think I'd avoid continuing prescribing the um, formerly over-the-counter codeine products too because low-dose codeine doesn't actually add much a significant amount of analgesic benefit. And that's something that we need to explain. That can be quite a challenging conversation, I mm, think. That's right. Yep, yep. I think they believe they've got pain and uh, but I think they need to be introduced to the idea of multimodal treatment. I think people need to understand the scale of this problem. Uh, in fact, I've looked at the literature over these last few years. The reports describe that people take 20, 40, 60, 80 tablets a day and uh, they, they present with uh, upper gastrointestinal problems like perforated or bleeding peptic ulcers, gastric outlet obstruction as a result of scarring. There's also a fairly large neglect of... Uh, uh, small bowel problems as well. They get um, uh, erosions, ulcers. They can get uh, c- circumferential scarring, which means that the scar contracts and they get these diaphragms in the uh, um, small bowel, and so they get bowel obstruction, and it's often hard to diagnose preoperatively. Um, they have um, protein loss, protein losing enteropathy, blood loss. Um, as a result of that, they get hypoalbuminemia. They get iron deficiency anemia. So they'll often present just with anemia. Uh, so, you know, that's a trigger that you should be asking about. Thank you for listening. I've been talking to Dr. Malkin Dobbin about the rescheduling of codeine and in particular codeine dependency. The views of the host and the guest on this podcast are their own and may not represent MPS Medicine Wise. MPS Medicine Wise is an independent, not-for-profit and evidence-based organization that works to improve the way health technologies, medicines and medical tests are prescribed and used. Visit www.mps.org.au to find out more about codeine and find more reliable information for health professionals and consumers.